Market View on Money FM 89.3. Yeah, with primetime, Bharati Jagdish and Timothy Go with you. Now, the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission recently added over 80 Chinese firms to its list of entities facing possible expulsion from American exchanges. Among the firms, big names such as JD.com, Bilibili and NetEase. This was an expansion of a list consisting of U.S.-listed Chinese entities on a provisional lineup under a 2020 law, which is known as the Holding Foreign Companies Accountable Act. The act was signed into law by then-President Donald Trump, and it aims to remove foreign jurisdiction companies from U.S. bosses if they fail to comply with American auditing standards for three years in a row. So now we're seeing a total of 105 U.S.-listed firms facing possible delisting. And this long-running audit dispute between the two countries isn't over, clearly. Other large Chinese companies that were added to the SEC's list were NEO and China Petroleum and Chemical. Now, last month, Chinese regulators reportedly asked some of the country's U.S.-listed firms, including Alibaba, Baidu and JD.com, to prepare more audit disclosures. So what's holding things up? And what does this mean for investors? Zalina Zeng, Chinese corporate's senior credit analyst from Credit Insights, joins us to tell us more. Hi, Zalina. Hi. Good evening, and thanks for joining us today. Now, Zalina, you would think that Chinese companies' possible delisting from American exchanges would cause jitters. However, the market reaction to the latest announcement to the expanded list was kind of muted, wasn't it? And this would indicate that it didn't really come as a surprise. In your opinion, how should we be viewing this in the larger scheme of things? Yeah, sure. Thanks for having me here. As you said, uh, the immediate market reaction of the announcement was quite muted in both the um, China tech equity space and China tech dollar bonds. Um, but these days, China tech stocks and bonds are indeed facing some selling pressure in the past week or so, but this is now due to the broad risk of in also U.S. equities and COVID-induced sales for China assets. So not so specific to that um, addition to the provisional list. Um, we think this is now because uh, the whole addition is not a surprise to the market because the list was first already released on 10th of March, um, was a long time ago, and the market has been expecting more companies to be added to the list. I guess the second reason is also because there's still some time for the Chinese regulators to work out something perhaps with the U.S. exchange and, and the regulators because um, from um, moving to the um, from um, from provisional list to the conclusive list, afterward they still have at least three years to work out something. Um, so I guess that's the main reason behind you know the, the less than expected market reaction. The thing is, reports say that some time ago, Chinese regulators had already asked some of the country's U.S.-listed firms, including Alibaba, Baidu and JD.com, to prepare more disclosures. One would think that as long as these companies comply, they won't even risk being delisted. What's holding back compliance? Yeah, sure. I think at the very heart of it is about China's um, national data security concern. So the China has uh, tightened uh, data security regulations since 2018 with their establishment of uh, the cybersecurity law as well as a dedicated cybersecurity regulator. So right now, this is um, cyber 
security, data security are really at the center of China's tech regulation. Um, some of the ADR tech names, such as Alibaba and Tencent, um, they are deemed by the Chinese regulators for holding highly sensitive information under the newly established data classification rule. So this could be a potential regulatory hurdle for these companies to share data with the foreign auditors. The progress on U.S.-China audit collaboration, a lot of people are saying, is slower than what the Chinese authorities have hinted at in the past few weeks. In light of this, it would seem that the delisting risk of over 260 U.S.-listed Chinese companies remains elevated, wouldn't you say, in spite of the fact that there is hope that things could get resolved what do you think is the Chinese authorities' end game here, if we're looking at the delays more specifically? Yeah, I think the main goal for the Chinese regulators are really to avoid a disorderly mass delisting of Chinese ADRs. Um, I think right now the Chinese authorities are all about stability, be it economic development or market um, stability. So, you know, a huge sell-off of the China tech in both the onshore markets and offshore or the ADRs is not very ideal for the Chinese authority. So they are trying to use sort of a verbal intervention to send a positive signal to the market. Um, but at the same time, they will unlikely, in our view, to allow U.S. auditors to have full access to some of the companies, especially those are viewed as highly sensitive. And we saw onshore media reports saying um, China is actually willing to accept the listing of some companies to um, enforce the data security, cybersecurity rules from their end. So I think the end game here is really um, the authorities are trying to strike a balance between um, stability of the market, also ensuring that China's data security. Um, but after all, everything is highly contained on the overall U.S.-China relationship. And from our sense is um, the SEC and U.S. regulators, um, they're um, unlikely to accept a half-baked resolution from the China side. In light of all of this, would it be wiser for these companies to go elsewhere? And I'm asking this also partly because we have seen steps in this direction. For instance, Chinese EV startup NIO said last week it's received a conditional eligibility to list letter from the Singapore boss. So to what extent is this a taste of things to come, Chinese firms listing in Singapore and elsewhere? Um, yeah, sure. I think this is really under discussion for a lot of ADR companies that are considering um, either Hong Kong listing or returning to Asia or, as you said, Pat, listing in the Singapore exchange. For a lot of the China tech companies under our coverage, including some of the industrial names in the list, they are dual listed in both Hong Kong and U.S. So um, these listings are fungible in that sense um, they could switch from U.S. exchange to the Hong Kong or other exchanges. We do see some of the, the Chinese companies, such as China Aluminum Corporation, announced right after um, being included in a provisional list that investors may tender their ADRs in exchange for ad shares. Um, but I think here the issue is, um, obviously, once they're kicked off the U.S. exchanges, they will have a shrinking a shrinking size of international investor pool. Mm. Um, um, so for, for that, I mean, elevated foreign ownership might not be strategically important uh, for tech companies um, because Chinese authorities might want to increase the domestic ownership. But after all, um, if uh, we have um, fewer and fewer companies getting listed in the U.S. exchanges, that might hurt the investor confidence um, because, um, you know, like they, their, their accounting issues might be less transparent. Um, overall, um, it could be an overhang on both China tech stocks and bonds.
Mm, totally understandable. At this point, what would you say is the overall impact on bondholders expected to be? Um, actually, the potential delisting would have um, quite limited impact on the bondholders. This is mainly because the China tax dollar bonds, they are typically not um, listed or, I mean, quoted on the U.S. exchanges. And the trading of the dollar bonds is conducted over the counter. Mm. And um, so, so, for instance, the dollar bond of uh, the names you mentioned, um, uh, the Sinopec, PetroChina, JD.com, they are all not listed on U.S. exchanges. Um, so um, the impact is not so big. Um, but again, I think risk sentiment will likely um, come down if, if the mass enlisting uh, realized in the end. Mm, since you mentioned risk, we mustn't forget other risks. Uh, for instance, the regulatory crackdown on tech platforms in China. Authorities there say they will pull back on this, considering the economic impact of the zero COVID policies. But investors are saying that the authorities aren't moving fast enough on this either. How might slow action here exacerbate matters further for even these companies? Yeah, I think right now we do see some positive development as we see um, signals from top-level Chinese officials indicating they will moderate the intensity of the tech crackdown and um, this message is coming multiple times in the past few weeks from really top-level officials. And I think the main reason, as you said, is because uh, actually tech platforms, um, they provide a lot of employment in urban areas, especially to the young people. So it's important for the government. Um, but as you said, I, I think um, right now um, the market is still waiting for a more concrete policy follow-through in terms of the transparency and the clarity of a lot of the onshore tech regulations, be it in your gaming space or data security or you know a, a lot of uh, live streaming services as well. I think right now it's still very hard for investors to price in such risk. It's also hard for the tech companies to factor in the additional compliance costs. So before that is clarified, I think um, the sector, um, the, the, the engagement in the sector will still be quite uh, limited. Um, also at the same time, I think uh, the Chinese government will likely, um, you know, be continue continue to support strategically important hardware companies like Huawei for their 5G digitalization. But versus for platform economies, they might still face some ongoing mild regulatory scrutiny. Mm. Of course, there are many other uncertainties on the horizon as well. Russia-Ukraine, that conflict continuing to pose uncertainties for everyone. And of course, in terms of Chinese national oil companies, they mm-hmm. could be facing sanctions spillover from from there. Then, of course, there's China's zero COVID policy, slowing economic growth. How should these Chinese companies be navigating these additional macro headwinds? and the problems that they are facing specifically? Yeah, sure. I think at first, maybe on the Russian sanctions bill over risk, I think right now it's still quite manageable for Chinese companies. First, uh, we have to note among the national oil companies, only Sinuk is under U.S. sanction. That's for the reason of their offshore drilling activities. But the other national oil companies or the other state-linked companies, they have limited exposure to offshore drilling, which um, is deemed by U.S. regulators as a uh, connected to Chinese military operation. And on the Russian sanction front, I think right now 
um, the major Russian national oil companies are not um, sanctioned um, by U.S. regulators. Considering all of this, how would you advise investors to position themselves in regard to China and, of course, in regard to China tech companies in particular? Yeah, sure. I think, Arana, overall, we still suggest investors to stay very defensive in the China dollar bond space because of the macro volatility, uncertainty, and you know maybe more property developers would be fought in the next few months. Um, and we also suggest investors to you know, um, um, limit their uh, duration exposure to relatively shorter maturities. In the China tech space, we think um, even though there are some risk overhang of the listing and onshore um, ongoing tech crackdown. We see some value emerging from this space, especially for their China dollar bond, China tech dollar bonds, because the yields, if you compare it with U.S. tech dollar bonds, uh, right now you can get about 70 basis point yield pickup, and historical average you know, is, is about 15 basis point lower. Even if you compare it with other China A-rated dollar bond, the yield pickup is still quite substantial. So we do see value emerging from this sector, especially given the balance sheet and credit profiles of China tech companies uh, that are very strong. So um, value emerging, but overhand is still remaining there. Thank you very much, Zelina, for your analysis. Zelina Zheng, Chinese corporate senior credit analyst from Credit Insights. Thanks for joining us on Money FM 89.3. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A W E D I O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.